There's so much to deal with in the news cycle because there's a new scandal, there's breaking news all the time, and uh, almost always it's the usual suspects fingered in one or other misdemeanor. That sometimes we miss the bigger picture of the impact of all these stories. That South Africa, for example, is the most unequal society on earth is nothing new. We've held this title on and off for quite some time now. But for the average person, if you want to talk about the Gini coefficient being at uh, 0.63, it might not mean very much. Or even if I try and get, uh, you know, try and sound a little clever and say, well, according to that other popular measure, the Palmer ratio, which takes the richest 10% of the population's share of gross national income and divides it by the poorest 40% of the population's share, again, we still top the list. But what does that actually mean? Because for many South Africans, they don't need fancy indicators or indices to know their lived experiences. According to the World Bank, in the years 2008 to 2014, 78% of us were chronically poor. 78%. That means people could not afford to eat. So the child who goes to bed hungry every night is not in some faraway land or from another time in history, but is a South African. He may not have a swollen belly or surrounded by flies, as is often shown in images of famine-ravaged countries on television. No, this child is expected one day to compete with your middle-class kid who goes to some of the best private schools anywhere in the world. This child is starving in a land of plenty, in a country endowed with mineral resources and other sources of wealth. The legacy of apartheid special planning means that even when we can afford certain things, sacrifices have to be made. People are spending a lot of their income not on food or even shelter, but on things like transport and, a co- uh, transport and airtime because they need to get to work and they need to communicate. The newly minted Minister of Monitoring and Evaluation, Gosazana Lamini Zuma, is rightly disappointed that 24 years into democracy, this is where we find ourselves, despite the great strides that have been made through programs like social grants, for example. And that's why the details matter. That's why the state capture project was so evil. That's why this idea of a family that came to this country without a lot somehow became these multi-billionaires. That's why it's so galling. You know, when you heard the other day that Indian tax authorities had seized at least 120 properties in their country of origin, what did you think? Never mind what they have here or in places like Dubai, 120 properties. And they were aided by politicians who claim to be defenders of the poor. Would the billions spent on this family have made us a more equal society? Obviously, that's a stupid question. We need a fundamental rethink of how our economy works from labor to education to so much more to come up with real answers to that one. But here's the point. When you go to bed hungry, every cent counts. When kids in your family miss school because they're too weak or they're too hungry, uh, every cent counts. When no one in your family has completed more than six years of schooling, every cent counts. When children in your family don't live past the age of five because of preventable diseases or illnesses that have never been heard of in suburbia, every cent counts. When there's no pipe water in your house or the smell of a long drop is uh, so familiar that it's never actually offended you, every cent counts. So when those implicated in the state capture project refuse to come and answer to MPs, I say lock them up. For those 
that aided and abetted this project? Perhaps jail is actually too kind. Black as darkness is deserved by those. It's in those moments that I desperately hope that in fact there might be an afterlife with that eternal lake of fire. Dear God, please make it so.